If you would, grab a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We'll be spending all of our time this morning in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, so you do well to have a Bible open to that place. Matthew chapter 5. We have so many visitors here with us this morning. It is so good to see you. Thank you for being here. We want you to know that we are really excited to meet you and to get to know you. We want you to feel welcome here. And if there is anything that we can do, uh, we would love for you to let us know, to be right with God, to know more about this church. If you need something, we would love to help you with that. But we're just most of all thankful that you're here. Thank you for being here with us this morning. I appreciate so much. I was gone this last week. I was on vacation. And I appreciate the gentleman who filled in in my absence, Sonny and Todd, and then those others that maybe I wouldn't call gentlemen, like John Reynolds, uh, who did fill in. No, I'm just teasing John. But I appreciate so much uh, the uh, opportunity to, to be gone and now to be home, and it's good to see everyone again. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Matthew 5 and verse 13. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus teaches his disciples to think about their lives as positioned to make an impact on the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. A lamp that you wouldn't put under a basket, but on a stand so that everyone can benefit from its light. Jesus teaches his disciples to think of themselves this way. That God has put you where you are to have an influence and to have an impact. Now, if that positioning for impact was true in Jesus' day, how much more true is it today when with a touch of a button, you and I can impact and influence hundreds of people at once? We can communicate with all of our friends or all of our family, even when we're not in the same place. Christians then remain a city on a hill today. I've been asked to talk about how Christians should act on social media. And I wanted to take some time this morning thinking in this way about what God intends for Christians to do and to be. Because it seems to me that we're all sort of groping for a set of rules or etiquette it seems to me that most of us know, most of us, that there are certain things you just shouldn't do when you deal with other people. And that also extends to online life. That we shouldn't air our dirty laundry. That we shouldn't share fake news. That we shouldn't troll people to get a reaction. You just shouldn't do that. And so everyone is groping, well, well how do I know? What are the rules about how we interact with people. But as Christians, we already have a set of rules and ethics. We have the words of Jesus, who informs us about how we interact with people in whatever format and whatever forum for all time. We have the Sermon on the Mount. It is what Christians always 
should be. So what I want to do for a few minutes this morning is just talk about Jesus on social media, to talk about how the Sermon on the Mount relates to our online dealings. Someone is asking, maybe someone of a certain generation, what is social media? So I want to answer that question, just so we all are on the same page. Social media is that set of websites and apps and services that is used to connect people. Some of the more prominent social media sites are Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And to a lesser extent, I'm not going to be addressing as much things like Snapchat and texting services. All of them involve how we interact with other people. And therefore, all of them involve what Christians are supposed to do and be as we relate to other people. And so I want to spend some time looking at Jesus' words and how they would relate in this new format. Now, there is always a bit of adjustment that happens as we embrace new technologies. I'm sure that what happened when we introduced the telephone. And the telephone came along, we had to figure out, well, how do you talk on the telephone? What are you supposed to say and not say? And there is always a bit of challenge associated with that. One of the unique challenges, it seems to me, of anything that goes on on a computer, online, is that we tend to think that that's not real life. We tend to think that the computer is pretend and that what happens on social media is sort of like a fun game. And it's important that we understand that it is possible to sin online. It is possible for us to hurt people, sometimes permanently, online, and to hurt the cause of Christ online. But on the flip side of that, it is also possible for us to be a city set on a hill and let our light shine before others so that they see our good works and glorify our Father online. These things are real and they matter. So, what would Jesus say about social media? What, most especially, what does Jesus want me to do? As I look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wants me first to let my light shine. Let my light shine. Remember, look in verse 13 with me again. In verse 13 of Matthew 5, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So Jesus envisions an impact that we have that is based on contrast with the world that we are different from the world. And I believe that is the reason for the word salt. The reason is because in verse 13 he says, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's good for nothing. See, if salt is not different, if salt does not add something, then salt is worthless in Jesus' illustration. He is saying, I expect my people, my disciples to be different. And remember, Jesus is speaking to a Jewish society. These are people who believed in God, who tried to serve God. He is not talking to a group of pagans, but he says you still should be like salt to all of those around you, even the religious around you. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus envisions us lighting up the world. We show others what we have learned from Him, the righteousness and truth and goodness and joy we have found in Him, and so when they see our good works, they glorify our Father. We know intellectually that Christians are different from the world. 
But I think social media helps us see that even more clearly. Because in social media, you interact with all kinds of people, and I mean all kinds. And it reminds us just how frequently we disagree and see the world differently from the people around us. So in that situation, Jesus' vision is not that we withdraw ourselves from the world or withdraw ourselves from people or withdraw ourselves from those who don't agree with us. Instead, his vision is that we engage them and interact with them and influence them for good, that we are salt to them and light to them. That's the goal. Jesus wants me to let my light shine. In verse 16, he also says, Let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. There's an emphasis on good works, and that's hard because in social media, it's mainly about words, not works. It's mainly about what we say. And so it is hard for us to say, well, let my life do the talking when we're online. But it is possible to let my light shine by the way I interact with other people and the way I emphasize my family and my fellow man and treat others with grace by the way, I listen carefully when I dialogue with other people. I don't assume that I know what they mean or what they're going to say. By the way, I'm unashamed to connect myself to Jesus. I can let my light shine. On the other hand, if I'm going to connect myself and show myself doing things that are evil, that indicate I don't have standards for my own speech or my own morality, that I'm willing to do things that if others saw, and that was the only thing they saw, they would certainly not connect me with Jesus. Then I am not letting my light shine. So if we're going to add this verse to the little song, this little light of mine, I'm going to shine all over the internet. All over the internet, I'm going to let my light shine. But there's more to this. Turn with me the page to Matthew chapter 6. There is more to this. Because while on the one hand, Jesus wants me to let my light shine, there is a danger that attends to that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by, their, by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus warns us about doing good deeds to be seen, verse 1. Then we will have no reward from our Father who is in heaven. Now that can be confusing, can it? I thought we just read, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. And now he says, don't do it to be seen. So which is it? Is it right or wrong to be seen? I think it's important to say that when Jesus says in verse 1 of Matthew 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. What he is describing is a motivation. You don't do this to be seen. Now there are times where people are going to see us doing good works. There's nothing wrong with that. That's who we are. That's what we do. But there is a difference between people seeing me do my good works and me trying to get them to see and me doing them in order to be seen. When that is my motivation, I want their glory. And so I seek it. That's a problem. Jesus knew about it as a problem in his day. It's a problem where when other people praise us and they begin to say good things about us, we begin to play to the crowd. 
and say, you know what, I like it when people praise me. I'm going to go ahead and keep doing what I'm doing because then more and more people will praise me. And that is a problem in social media. Because social media gives us a forum where we can show other people our lives and the good works that we're doing and let them see what kind of people we are. But it is also a forum for what we might call grandstanding. On social media where I can begin to say, well, look how much I study my Bible. Look how many verses I can put on my wall. Look how many people I help. Let me tell you, I couldn't do that because I was out doing this. It is right for doing things to be seen. In other words, instead of letting our light shine, we're saying, hey, everybody, look at my light. Here it is. And we do things to be seen. I have seen some things on social media posted by Christians that I can think of no other motivation. I can't think of anything than that they are doing it to be seen by people. And I know that personally, firsthand, because I have done it myself. So if I'm going to let my light shine, I have to have that warning on the other side of it. That letting my light shine can't just be for everybody else. That my faith only is about making other people happy with me. But Jesus wants me to let my light shine. I think we just need to say that audiences are a mixed blessing. That audiences can be a great benefit and blessing because we can influence other people. But audiences can also begin to affect the way we act and we do things in order to be seen. Second, Jesus wants me to be a peacemaker. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 and verse 9. Matthew 5 and verse 9, the text says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus wants us to be peacemakers because that's what God is like. He uses the term sons of God in the sense of similarity here. We will be like God. And the idea of being a peacemaker is that we are trying to resolve conflict rather than create it or rather than perpetuate it. I am trying to make peace, not make conflict. I want to get along with others and I want others to get along with each other. That's the idea of a peacemaker. It is not fun or cute or interesting to put people at odds, to wait and see what happens when so-and-so says this, and I can just sit on the sideline and eat my popcorn and watch what's going to happen. What are they going to say next? It is not part of the character Jesus wants us to have to enjoy conflict. That is not Christian. Look with me in Matthew 5 and verse 21. Matthew 5 and verse 21, the text says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift before the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So as Jesus teaches about anger, he says you resolve your anger quickly. You rebuild the relationship. You fix it. If you are there offering your animal to God as a sacrifice... And you remember something, you leave the animal, stop worshiping, go make up with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. If you're walking with him, 
to the judge. You make up within there. Resolve it quickly. Do it now. Make peace. Jesus teaches us, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Have you thought about that passage as relates to social media? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now my personal opinion is that telling my brother his fault is something that is better done face to face than over a phone or a text message or something like that. But regardless of how you do it, the point of Jesus' teaching is that making peace is going to need to happen in private first. Do you see the problem with Facebook? Do you see the problem with social media? It's that when we have conflict and we have issues, they're out in front of everybody for the whole world to see. And we know what happens when we have a conflict with someone and a whole bunch of people are watching. Do we easily say, you know what, I'm sorry, you're right. Everything I said was wrong. I repent and I change. We don't often do that, do we? Those of you who are on social media, have you ever seen that happen? Ever? If somebody comes up and tells me one after this sermon, it'll be the first. That's not the way we resolve conflict. We don't resolve it in public. And Jesus says, you go tell him his fault between you and him alone. Jesus says in Matthew 5, you go make up with your brother quickly. So if I have a problem with someone, social media is probably not going to be the best way to resolve it. If I have a problem with someone, social media is probably not going to be the best way to resolve it. I need to be a peacemaker. So that means I don't need to get online and make vague statements that nobody really understands what they're about to try to dig at someone who I really just need to go talk to. It also means that there are ways that I can contribute or detract from other people's conflicts. That happens a lot on social media. Am I making peace when I take sides when two people have a problem? Am I encouraging others to go talk to the other person one-on-one the way Jesus tells me to? That's a way I can let my light shine, by the way. Remind people that the best way to solve conflicts is the way Jesus taught us to resolve conflicts, to go talk to one another. Sometimes it takes the form of them complaining about one side of a situation that sounds really unfair. And peacemaking may mean I need to go talk to them privately or I may need to just not get involved at all. And sometimes this happens with church problems. People will take a church matter public. They are hurt or frustrated or disappointed. And so they say, I'm going to let everybody know about how I'm feeling. Christians have to remember that our actions have an impact. Remember, we are letting our light shine. And are we really letting our light shine by tearing our brothers down in public? Is that helping? Is that making peace? But when other people do that, how do we respond? When other people make some church matter public, when other people make some personal conflict public, 
The temptation is to jump in on the side of the person I know. The temptation is to say, well, I've heard this side, and there's no way there could be another side. So I'm just going to go all in and support the one that I know. The temptation is to make snap judgments based on incomplete information. And I would suggest to you that that is a terrible course in all our relationships. And I would suggest to you that it is particularly destructive on social media. It is a problem where we begin to create bigger problems rather than resolving conflict. Am I a peacemaker? It might be best for me to talk to that person directly or challenge them. Hey, don't air the dirty laundry. This is not the best way to do this. Sometimes a public rebuke can seem appropriate, but other times I've seen public rebukes really make a mess of everything. The question is, what's my goal? When I comment on this, when I think about this, when I encourage someone to do something, am I trying to make peace or am I trying to stir people up? There is a word for that, by the way, that young people use. The word trolling. We don't usually think of that when we talk about church conflicts. But that's exactly the same behavior, to stir people up and try to encourage them in their conflict. Peacemaking also applies. I'm just, while I'm here, I'm just going to get all, this all over me. Peacemaking also applies when we grow overheated in our comments with other people. In social media, this happens where there's a disagreement and one person argues and the other person answers and, and things escalate, always escalate. And names are called, ugly things are said, and there's very rarely a, a backing down, a de-escalation. Christians, you see, can contribute to the escalation. Are we being peacemakers? And while I'm here, I'm just going to talk about this too. We need to say something here about foolish disputes. The Bible talks about this, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. This idea of myths and, and genealogies, things that have to do with religion but don't do any good. This is 2 Timothy 2.14. Remind them of these things and to charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Not just fighting about words. We're talking about religious arguments here. He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction. 1 Timothy 6, 4, and 5. There are other passages similar to these. You get the idea. Just because we're having a religious discussion doesn't mean it's profitable. Doesn't mean it's helpful. Doesn't mean it's leading anywhere. There are religious discussions that produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction. It is great that we live in a time when we can influence so many people, but it is also true that we have so many more people to argue with. And there are a lot of people who are just wanting to argue. And we as Christians need the discernment to say, there are some discussions that are not getting anywhere. There are some discussions that are unhealthy and that only produce bad things. Jesus wants me to be a peacemaker. 
Am I a peacemaker? Not just in my personal relationships, but am I a peacemaker in my online life? Third, Jesus wants me to seek the kingdom first. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Jesus wants me to seek the kingdom first. Matthew 6 and verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where our treasure is, the things that we care most about, the things that we're investing in, that we're laying up our investments in, that's where our heart will be. And Jesus warns us that if we invest ourselves in something that can be destroyed, moth and rust destroy it, then our hearts will be broken. Jesus wants us to lay up treasure in heaven where we don't have to fear that. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He warns us not to be anxious about the things of life, even the necessities of life, what you'll eat and what you'll drink and what you'll wear. And he takes us outside to say, look at the birds. They don't work, they don't worry, and God feeds them. And look at the flowers. They don't toil, they don't spin, they don't work, and yet God clothes them. And are you not more valuable than a bird or a flower? Trust God. And in his place, he says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things you need will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. This is a priority statement. And in both of these sections, whether we're talking about laying up treasure on earth or in heaven or whether we're talking about worrying about stuff here, both sections deal with the possibility of distraction, that we will be distracted from what really matters, from what's really important. We'll get distracted into pursuing money and stuff. We'll get distracted into worrying about the needs of life and forget the point of life. So, seek the kingdom first. And the connection I make to social media here is about distraction. Distraction. The internet exposes us to a vast number of opinions and voices. We can pursue all our hobbies. We can look at all the jokes we could ever want. We can watch cat videos all day. We can follow our favorite sports team and read every story about them, even when they're not practicing. There are stories about Aggie football. They're not even practicing. We can follow politics to a level that we've never seen before. We can learn about every event happening in every country. Basically, every bad thing that goes on in every place in the world, we can know. We can watch TED Talks and learn about amazing scientific discoveries that are going on. We can hear what our favorite people and celebrities and bands and authors think about everything. And if we're ever disconnected from this hive of information, 
we feel like we're missing out. You know, what if something happens and I'm not there and I don't know about it? Somewhere, Jesus is quietly saying, seek the kingdom first. Somewhere he is saying, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Perhaps there is a time when we need to turn the social media off and listen to God. To talk to someone face to face and have an actual conversation. To read our Bibles and have quiet time with God. Apologies to all of you with young children, but quiet time. I think it's important for us to reset our priorities as Christians. If the kingdom is the priority and we seek it first, then politics is decidedly not the priority. Sports is not the priority. My hobbies like guns or running or music or cooking, is not the priority. Not. Because I am seeking the kingdom first. Here is the issue. There is nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. But we are now confronted with such a web of information that we will have to turn away from it before the information is exhausted. We cannot absorb it all. We cannot learn it all. We can't get through it all. It will absorb us. We have to have the discipline to say, this is not the priority. God is my priority. I will seek the kingdom first. And these other things, if I feel like it, if I have time, I can dabble in that. But there is a concern that I have about distraction. I am to seek the kingdom first. And finally, Jesus wants me to see past appearances. Let's look at Matthew 7. And verse 13, Matthew 7 and verse 13, the text says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Wide and easy and popular, he says, is the way that leads to destruction. And narrow and hard and unpopular, he is trying to teach us that the right way is not always going to be the easiest and most popular way. This is what it's going to look like to follow him and walk with him. Social media is like this to me. It is one thing to know what Jesus says. I know that's true. But it is another thing to confront it in person after person after person. The visceral power of an entire group, an entire society of people against me and what I believe hostile to my way of life. That's upsetting. And yet it only confirms what Jesus has said long ago. This is the way of following Christ. It appears that I am alone and everyone else is right. And Jesus teaches me to see past appearances to what's really going on. Verse 15 now. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. 
So Jesus warns us again about appearances. Here are people who appear to be one way, but they're really another. They look like sheep, but they're actually wolves in sheep's clothing. And he says, you look past that to their fruits. Look at how they live. And that makes it challenging when you talk about social media, doesn't it? We only look through a keyhole in social media. I can't know what's really going on in the lives of all the people I see commenting on things. So how am I to judge whether someone really is what they say they are? I think it's important to understand that Jesus is teaching us that appearances can be deceiving and that we can't always base our lives on the, thing, the way things appear. That means that people's lives may not always be as happy as they look. People may not always be as spiritual as they appear. And those who are, it may not be as easy as they make it look. Issues political or otherwise, are not as straightforward as people make them appear. Not everything is as good or as bad as they act like it is. Those can be deceiving appearances. Jesus wants me to see past appearances and to judge with righteous judgment. But that doesn't just apply to other people. There is, in my view, a danger about appearances coming home to roost as a product of the social media way of thinking. I want you to see this with me in verse 21. John, uh, Matthew 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You see, it's not just me who can have a problem, I'm not just others that can have a problem with appearances, it can also be me. Jesus is warning us about thinking that we know we're going to be right with God, based solely on appearances. That's what verse 21, 22, and 23 are about. Many people listen to Jesus and his words, but never actually do them. They are not part of the kingdom, he says. They are the foolish builders who build, but they build on the sand. Social media can lead me to believe that simply because I identify as a Christian, because I check a box on my profile, or because I put a Bible verse in my feed, because I tell people I'm studying God's word, that, that because I say all of that, that's what I am. And Jesus reminds us, who you are is what you do, not what you say. Who you are is what you do, not what you say. So many words float around in our world, and we need to understand that does not identify us. Who you are is not who you say you are, but what you do. Social media can lead me to believe that if people praise me and respect me, that, that they must be right, that I'm worthy of praise and worthy of respect. Social media can lead me to believe that because there's so many voices and so many different opinions, that maybe everybody is right, and maybe there is no truth, and maybe I'm just being narrow-minded. Jesus teaches us, see past all those appearances and ask the important question. Am I obeying the will of the Father? 
Am I doing what I know? See past appearances. All of these appearances are reflections of the social conception of Christianity, but that's not who I am. I will stand or fall based on Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23. If I work lawlessness, or if verse 21, I do the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, Jesus' teaching on social media is the same as Jesus' teaching on relationships anywhere. That's no different. Jesus wants us to let our light shine. Jesus wants us to be peacemakers. Jesus wants us to seek the kingdom first and to see past appearances. Would you pray with me about it? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time you blessed us with. That we could open your word together and remember the words of your son. That we could think about them and how they apply in our time. Which though it feels so new, Father, and different is not new or different. I pray, Father, that you will bless us as your people. That we can truly be the light to the world that your son has told us to be. That we can let others see your light shining in us and give you glory. And Father, I pray that you'll be with us as we try to work through how to do that in an age where we interact with people in new ways. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment, Father, to see past appearances. Help us to be a people of peace who want to try to help others make peace, even though sometimes that's a difficult process. Help us to be, Father, a people who have our compass set to true north, that we know you and we seek your kingdom first no matter what. And help us, Father, not to be distracted into thinking the things of this world are more important than they are. Father, I pray that you'll bless us in all our interactions, whether they be online or in person, that always we will give glory and praise to you by the way we treat others with the love of Christ. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Might be someone here this morning who needs to respond to the invitation of the gospel. We don't want to close our service without giving you an opportunity to do that to leave behind the life of sin and to become a disciple of Jesus, being baptized into Christ, having those sins washed away. You can leave this building a New Testament Christian, a new creature, a new person. You can be forgiven. Is there any need that you have? We invite you to come to the front right now as we stand and sing to encourage you.